Good morning. It is a real honor and privilege to uh, come and be able to worship with you this weekend. And uh, we've enjoyed St. Joe uh, this weekend. Uh, We uh, only meant to stay at the uh, candy shop for about 10 minutes, just go in and grab something. We ended up staying for about an hour and a half the other night as a band was playing, and, and we just kept trying all those different candies, and, and yesterday we spent the day at downtown Chicago, and, and oh, we, my wife and I, we've had a, a wonderful weekend. We thank you for the opportunity to come up here. Actually, I just want to encourage you guys, whenever David and Crystal speak of you guys, the, the way that your pastor talks about you guys, I've really been excited about coming up. He speaks of you guys as a, just with a very enduring heart. And, and David and Crystal just feel like that the Lord has just blessed them immensely to give them the opportunity to minister to you guys. And so it's been really uh, just, it's, it's exciting to hear about this congregation all the time from David and Crystal. Uh, I actually came up here a couple months ago to visit. I went to the Michigan-Ohio State game. Even though I'm from Ohio, I am a Michigan fan and been one my whole life. And and, uh, but I got tickets from a Buckeye, so here I am in my Michigan garb, surrounded by, I'm in the Buckeye section, and, uh, but I, I kept it real, so anyways. Um, but uh, uh, David, I, I came here, and David was showing me around the church, and, and I said, man, do you guys got to give your visitors a GPS system? Because I, I got lost a little bit downstairs, and David's like, oh, James, this, this is simple, this is simple. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know where I'm at right now. And he goes, well, let's go through this room. He's like, uh, and, I'm, and I kept teasing him about, man, maybe you should give your visitors a GPS system uh, just to help them find their way around. He goes, ah, oh, you're, you're, you're over, uh, you know, just, and he just kept picking on me about that. He goes, well, let's go through this hallway and we'll go up these flight stairs because they're over here uh, uh, vacuuming some carpets. And so we're talking about like, wow, man, where are we at right now? And he goes, oh yeah. And so we go up this hallway and up these stairs and, and it's freezing. And I'm like, David, it is freezing in this, up these stairs. He goes, well, you know, the church is real good about conserving energy and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden we took another step out and I said, David, you took us outside. You, you got lost in your own church. He goes, <laughs> he goes, yes, I did. And we had to walk, it's freezing that night. We had to walk all the way around and, and knock on a door because he didn't have his key to that door. And and, and so, um, anyway, so that was, uh, I said, David, the first time I, get, I see St. Joe, I'm going to let them know all about that. <laughs> let, let me tell you, so we're, we're talking, we're continuing the series in the zone. And just to let you know, what I'm speaking on today is the most absolute, most unfavorite part of the series for most people. Matter of fact, it's, it's the part that people don't like in this series. Uh, to avoid preaching a sermon, David went all the way to Paraguay just to avoid <laughs> preaching this sermon this morning. But let me, let me bring it down to reality. What I'm going to talk about today, it has, to be, it has to be monitored and taught by the church. What I'm talking about today, if, if left unmonitored, destroys families, careers, relationships, hopes, and dreams. And so this is an issue that the church does need to address. And today we're talking about zone killers. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into the word today. Father God, we give you praise. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. We thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. And God, I just pray for those who uh, need to be challenged today, for those who need to start some healing today. And Lord, um, just wherever we're at today, minister God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our society has a tremendous amount of disorders. As a matter of fact, there's a new, a new disorder popping up on the internet every single week. Uh, one of the growing disorders throughout America right now is ADD. And I'm one of those guys who suffer from ADD. I mean, I'm going to have a hard time paying attention to my own sermon this morning, let alone preaching it. But another, is like I said, we are a society of disorders. If you watch Dr. Phil or Oprah, 
Every week there's a new disorder. Well, one of the disorders that is sweeping America right now is OSS. Everyone say OSS. OSS is a, is a horrible disorder. As a matter of fact, it, it is crippling people. As a matter of fact, let, let, let's talk about it. You might have OSS this morning if you have any of these characteristics. So, so let's, let's discover if any of you have OSS. If your credit card has ever melted in the credit card machine from overuse, you might have OSS. If you have ever purchased a larger wallet just to hold your credit cards, you might have OSS. If the majority of your birthday and Christmas cards come from major retailers and credit card companies, you might have OSS. If your spouse has ever received a condolence card, assuming that you've passed away just because you've been unable to shop at their store for a few weeks, you might have OSS. OSS is simply overspending syndrome. And today is an intervention. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. <laughs> See, OSS, overspending syndrome, is outside of the zone. It's in the land of ing. Everybody say ing. ing. Owning, buying, clothing, spending, borrowing. And our goals as Christians is to be in the zone. Be in a place that we can be blessed by the blesser so that we can go out and bless others. Now, when it comes to money management, there are three huge zone killers. In other words, we're trying to live our life in a zone, but there are three zone killers that will knock us right outside of the zone. And these, these, are, these are hard ones. We're going to talk about credit cards. We're going to talk about commercialism. And we're going to talk about carefree spending this morning. So let's talk about the first. Let's get the first one out of the way because it's rough. Let, let's talk about the first zone killer, and that is credit cards. Now, everyone get out your wallet. Grab your wallet. Not women. We do not have time for you to search all the way through that purse for your wallet. Now, men, grab out your wallet. Now, now look at your wallet. Your wallet was designed to hold credit cards. Matter of fact, we're at a store. No matter what we want, all we simply have to do is hand over our Visa, our American Express, our Discover card, and boof, we got what we want. Matter of fact, um, they come in slick collar schemes. They, they're, they're, them, they're thematic. Man, when I was 19 or 20, I was at Bass Pro Shop. And they said, young man, would you like a Bass Pro Shop card? It has a big, largemouth bass on it. And you get this free t-shirt. And matter of fact, every time you buy something, you're going to get points here. I said, so you mean if I buy a shirt, I get a free lure? Yes, sir. Sign me up. Sign me up. I was at a Reds game when I was about 19 or 20 years old as a college student. And I walk along and this guy says, young man, would you like this Cincinnati Reds ball cap? I said, I sure would. And he goes, would you like to have a credit card that says Cincinnati Reds on it? I said, yes, I would. What do I have to do? Just simply sign here. And that's how I got my first Discover card. So credit cards are very easy to come by. Matter of fact, of the people who actually have credit card debt, it says the average person who actually has credit card debt is they're $8,400 in credit card debt. Matter of fact, 
at $8,400 at 18% interest with minimum payments, it would take 25 years and $24,000 to pay off. America is $735 billion in credit card debt right now. Matter of fact, we get 50, the average American gets 50 unsolicited credit card offers a year. You guys probably got one in your mailbox this week. The average American has 7.6 credit cards. Credit cards are zone killers. Let's look at the first scripture this morning. In Proverbs 22, 7, it says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, you've heard the expression, those who lord it over you. You've heard the expression about those who lord something over you. As a matter of fact, when, when you are in debt and you cannot pay your debt off, you, in essence, become the slave, and whoever you owe becomes your lord. Now, how many of you work 60 hours a week at a job you don't even like? just to pay off a credit card for something that you've bought that you don't even use anymore. We become slaves to our job. We become slaves to our lenders. And they lord it over us. Every day we're reminded, I owe this. I don't have freedom. I owe this. And we become a slave. As a matter of fact, the scripture might be in reference to the Old Testament times when, when if a person had gotten a dramatic amount of debt and they could not pay their debt off, they would actually sell themselves into slavery. I can't pay off my debt. You own me. And so they would actually sell themselves into slavery and, and, and they had to work until they can pay the debt off. Matter of fact, the Bible even set up a time where people's debts would be freed. Every 50 years was called the year of Jubilee. God even put something in for people to get out of debt because he knew that people mismanaged their money. Matter of fact, some of us here this morning, maybe you're in a situation where you're thinking, it's going to take 50 years to get out of my situation before I have a year of Jubilee. Like I said earlier, I have OSS. I had OSS when I was, uh, and I'm, right now I'm recovering from OSS. Uh, as a college student, you're the number one target for credit cards. And man, I got these credit cards, and, and oh, you want something? Well, it just simply is this. I'll just buy this. Matter of fact, right now I probably have more hunting gear per animals killed than anyone in the state of Ohio. <laughs> When people come to my house, they look at my hunting gear, and, 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 and I could tell them looking around for a stuffed head, and I'm like, oh, it's coming. It, it, it'll be here soon, as soon as I kill it. Anyways, all credit cards. I was out of the zone. I, I, I could not be blessed. I was living in the land of ing, owning, buying, spending more than I was earning. And that's how you get out of the zone. Now, the Bible doesn't say that we can never borrow. Who in here would have a home? Now, only a few of us would actually have a home if we could not borrow money. Many of us would not even own a vehicle if we're not for that. The point is this. The Bible doesn't teach against borrowing. It teaches against borrowing something that you cannot pay off or borrowing to the max that you can't even live an enjoyable life because you've borrowed too much. Now remember, we, our job as Christians is to honor God. One of our jobs when it comes to finances is to understand that God is the owner and that we are the managers. And we need to try to live an 80-10-10 lifestyle. 80% God gives us for us to enjoy, for us to live our life on. 10% goes into a savings account, uh, interest-bearing account, and then 10% to the church, to the storehouse. And that's an ideal budget for the Christian. Now remember, our money situation, it gets out of whack when all of a sudden we think that we need something that we really do not need. See, we got to remember, we live in God's kingdom, not his thingdom. It's his kingdom, not his thingdom. Now, 
I just want to say something right now because I'm looking at faces. And I, I know that as I'm speaking right now, your stump, some of your stomachs are just churning. Credit cards have ruined your marriage. Credit cards has really dashed a lot of hopes that some of you have. Credit card and, and, and your spending in the past has ruined opportunities you've had. And today I want to offer you grace. And I just want to simply say, today, let today be a landmark. We forget what we've done in the past. And we simply say, today is a new day. And I want to offer you grace today. And remember, so don't, don't walk out here depressed. Husband and wives, I don't want to see you at lunch today choking each other and saying, it's your fault, we're in debt. If you had to have that, blah. Today is a day of healing. Today is a new day. We're talking about in the zone. We don't need to spend the rest of the day talking about why we're outside of the zone. Let's talk about how to get in the zone. Let's not, this, let, let's not waste that time thinking why are we outside of the zone. Now let me just simply offer you a few suggestions. These are really quick suggestions on how to stay motivated so we can pay off some of our debt. Let's simply start with this. Start small. Start small. Uh, pay off your smaller bills. Secondly, reward yourself. I'm going to go through these real quick. Reward yourself. It, it, when you pay off a bill, go out and have a romantic dinner. St. Joe, you're lucky. This is the most romantic place in the whole United States. I mean, you guys got chocolate, white beaches. I mean, come on. Just go be romantic. Um, allow yourself to dream. Just, just, just go ahead. Man, just go ahead and set goals of what your life's going to be like when you get out of this, you have this financial freedom. Calculate the cost. Before you swipe that credit card, add the interest up. Think about your minimal payment and think, instead of paying 50 bucks for this, I'm really paying 75. So this shirt that's on sale that I have to have, that my husband will understand, or my wife will understand why I have to have this uh, knife. I don't know what guys buy. We buy stupid things. And, and, but she, she's got to understand because it's on sale. But really, when we put it on a credit card, you're paying more. You're paying more if you pay the minimum credit. So there is no such thing as a sale when you buy something with a credit card. Now, once again, I know this church is very, you're offering a financial peace university. And um, I just want to encourage you, sign up for that. This is a wonderful, wonderful course. Matter of fact, somebody after the first service, when I went out to get a coffee, came up to me and this big guy in this big leather coat said, hey, you have the big financial peace university. I decided to go ahead and get the financial peace university. I love like, that's awesome, that's awesome. I had to put it on a credit card, but I have to start somewhere. <laughs> that's fine, I guess. You guys get stuff quick, don't you? <laughs> I'm like, that's fine, brother. That's fine. Let's just start today. <laughs> so, um, but uh, that's awesome. Anyways, all right. Let's go to the second point. There's three no-nos to spending money. One is impulse, which gets us in a lot of trouble. Emotion. Oh, I got to have this. Thirdly, competition. Now, these three characteristics spawn from our second zone killer, and that is commercialism. Commercialism. Let's look at this. First Valentine's dinner? Definitely. Ta-da! Always good. A gift from K Jewelers means every diamond is hand-selected to match beautifully. She'll absolutely love it. Remember when we were like that? I sure do. Every kiss begins with K. Ah, uh, if you will just drop some cash on some diamonds, your life will be great. I mean, commercialism, commercials offer us this dream, this vision of what our life could be like. My wife will love me so much more. Oh, if my husband would just buy me this, our marriage, we could have this life. Let's talk about beer commercials. What do they offer? I mean, a guy pulls up in his truck and he pulls up and all of a sudden he jumps out and here's all these awesome, fun guys who are ready to have the time of their life. And, and we got a big case of bud. And all of a sudden, guess what shows up? All these beautiful women 
if I just drink a case of beer a day, I have a lot of friends, I have money, and I'm out on the ocean all the time, and I get to marry a supermodel. And that's how commercials work. Commercials are saying, here's what your life could be like if you just have this or you have that. See, they're selling, an, they're selling esteem, not a product. They're selling esteem, not a product. Matter of fact, uh, statistics say that, uh, that 3,000 to 6,000 commercials run a day. So you just simply got to ask yourself when you see a commercial, do I need this or do I greed this? Commercialism leads to incontent living. Now, once again, the psychology of commercials is they, prop, they promise you satisfaction. There was a woman who kept, she kept wanting satisfaction, and she kept trying to find satisfaction in the things of this world. Jesus encounters her one day at the well. This woman had husband after husband after husband. She lost so many relationships. And the, Jesus knew that this woman was truly just looking for satisfaction. So Jesus says this to her. Says Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This material water. Jesus was once again addressing the things of this world will leave you wanting. If you want true contentment, true satisfaction, it can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus understood this. He says, this water comes up from hard labor, but what I offer you, it bubbles from within. In other words, the things of this earth, this earth will leave us wanting, will leave us incontent. But true contentment, true satisfaction comes from a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to find contentment? Seek after Christ. That was Jesus' point when he talked to that lady that day. Now, now think about this. Now, how many of you in this room have had a garage sale recently in the last couple years, and you've sold maybe a video camera that was state-of-the-art, that cost $2,000 a few years ago, you know, when it first came out, and you couldn't even give it away for five? Or how many of us have purchased those high-tech computers for $1,500 or $2,000, only to come a few years later, and we can't even use it? See, this world just keeps saying, you need this, you need this, you need this. But you know what? Guess what? We're going to continue to need and need. So if you place your value in those things, you will find that, once again, you're left empty and bankrupt. Only true satisfaction comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's talk about our third zone killer. So we talked about credit cards. And then we talked about um, commercialism, which just, which just fools us. The third thing is this, carefree spending. Now, I'm going to translate carefree spending, and I'm going to use this word called materialism. Materialism, carefree spending, materialism. Now, those two words go together. Yesterday, my wife and I, we went to downtown Chicago to the Magnificent Mile. And oh, as we walked there. We walked into Nordstrom's, and I was like, oh, look at these. Wow. Where did they get leather coats with fur on them? Wow. You know, and, and we're looking at stuff, and look at those shoes. Wow. You know, we're from Cincinnati. You know, you get boots, you know. Um, <laughs> sweat, sweatpants and hiking boots, you're good to go, you know. So we're up at Nordstrom's, and we're looking all around at this stuff, and then we walk into Ralph Lauren Polo Store 
We walk in here and I walk upstairs and I walk into this room and, and there's this guy and he's got three tailors around him and he's got this big couch and he's got all these fabrics laid out and they're sitting there sizing them up and he's sitting there and they're, they're sizing them up and, and they're saying, sir, we'll have this delivered to Beverly Hills by the end of the week. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'd like to kill that guy. You know, <laughs> I'm just but they're sitting there and I'm sitting there thinking, I walk downstairs and I go, Gina, you're not going to believe how, I mean, the wealth in this place, it's ridiculous. And so I looked at my wife and I said, jokingly, I said, we got to get rich. We got to figure out how to get rich. So we're teasing each other. Well, how are we going to get rich? And I said, I don't know. We got to figure out. My wife says, well, maybe, you know, you're always saying we need to write a book on this. You need to write a book on this. And so we're like, yeah, we'll write a book and get rich. And she, I said, well, what type of book should I write? And then we quickly discovered that I'm only qualified to write books on how to overcome failure. And, and so, so then at the end of the day, my self-esteem was even lower. But, but Anyways, carefree spending, materialism, the materialism is where we truly lust or desire after something. And there's two different types of materialism. There's those who save up and then spend. In other words, I'm going to save up so I can buy this flat screen TV. Oh, good, I got the flat screen TV. Now let's redecorate the back room. So I save up, and then we do, oh, good, we got that done. Oh, now I need this truck, so let's save up until we get this truck. Oh, now good, we got this truck. Let's get the deck. Oh, good, now we got the deck. Let's get the pool. Okay, good, and now we got this. Let's get this and this and this. And constantly in life, you're on one project after another, but then when you come to church, now, oh, don't, I hope I'm not stabbing you this morning. You just don't have the money to pay a tithe. But we always got a project that we're saving up money for. And there's something there where where there's a lust for these things of this earth. And yet, that takes us out of the zone. And that's a zone killer. There's also another type of materialism, and that materialism is called, basically, you keep up or you show up. Now, in other words, that's basically, look what I have. You like my suit? Does it look good? You like my car? Let me tell you something today. This materialism is where you're constantly buying just to show everyone else, guess what? I've made it. I've made it. But let me just tell you something. See, we, 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 we tend to, you know, people who make money, we tend to be harsh on. But let me just say something. If you make a lot of money this morning, praise be to God. You're blessed. That does not mean you're materialistic. Just because you pulled up this morning in a Porsche with uh, chains on the tires does not mean... <laughs> does not mean that you're materialistic. Because let me tell you something. The most materialistic person in this church just might be the person who pulled up in a clunker. Let me tell you something. Materialism is something that's in your heart. It's something in your heart. It's a desire to have something to impress other people or to try to get your satisfaction in things. You can't tell material. The person with the Porsche out there might be the most generous, God-honoring person in the church. And I've seen that many a times. And the person who doesn't have much, they're always reaching after that stuff. So just, just because someone has something does not mean, bottom line is, only God knows your heart. And you're known by your fruit. So how? So this morning we're talking about, man, you're stuck. You're in a bad situation this morning. How do we spell relief? How do we get relief? Relief is spelled B-U-D- G-E-T, budget. Let's look at this scripture. Proverbs 27, 23 says this, talking to the shepherds. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure 
forever. In other words, know what you have, know what you can spend, keep a mantra of that. Now, a couple years ago, uh, my gas gauge stopped working in my car. Not a big deal for me. I'm a big picture guy. That's a detail. No big deal. So I knew every few days I needed to put $10, $15 in gas. If that was happening this year, every few days I'd put $70 or $80 in gas. But, but that was a few years ago, and, and it was fine. I drove all summer on that. And then my wife needed to go to Indianapolis for a week, and she was going to take that car. And she goes, what's going on here at the gas gauge? Oh, the gas gauge hasn't worked all summer. Well, what do you mean? How, how have you been driving around all summer? I don't know. I just go get gas, you know, when I feel like I need. Oh, she did not like that. So we had to have it fixed, obviously. But here's the thing. When we live life without a budget, it's like living life without a, a gas gauge. Because all of a sudden you're going and you're going and you're going. But then all of a sudden you end up at a place. You're out of gas and you're stranded and you're in trouble. And you're saying, man, how did I get here? And so living life without a budget is like living life without knowing how much you have. Now, budget is just strategic planning. Budget is living in the zone instead of living in the land of ing. It's ownership versus management. It's understanding that God owns it all and that we are just the managers. Once again, we need to live it. What should our budget be? 10, 10, 80. Now, if you're older this morning and, and or maybe you're in a financial state where you're saying, James, I don't have credit cards, commercial. I don't have these issues. That's fine. Because you know what? God's going to bring other people into your life that you can teach. So listen up this morning and, and take some of these principles and help someone else out. So what, what should our budget be? 10, 10, 80. Once again, 10% to the church, 10% into an interest-saving account. The 80% is the Lord's blessing just to do what we please with it, to live on. Now you're saying 10% to savings? I, I thought as Christians we're not supposed to worry about the future. Let's look at this scripture. God said, hey, let's, let's check out the ants. Let, let's simply, let's just check out the ants. Um, let's, go, let's jump over to, uh, uh, well, let me give you some simple ways to restrict your spending real quick. <laughs> uh, one is just simply, when you're living on a budget, buy gift cards, set up an account limit, say, hey, you know, if I can't be trusted with a $5,000 account, go to a $3,000 account. Also, shop with cash. If you don't have enough money, guess what? You cannot buy that. Also, hold yourself accountable. And then when one month you go over your budget, do everything you can the next month to make up for that. So there is some simple way. Now, now people, let's check out what the ant did when we talk about savings. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. In other words, the Bible does talk about being smart and trying to put money away for the future. Now, once again, why should we save? Well, we need to learn how to live in a budget, but it also teaches us to be content with what we earn. If we're always spending at the max, then we're always psychologically saying, I need more. I should make more. And then we start looking around at our work saying, ugh, she makes this or he makes that. But when we live in a budget and we say, God, this is a lot you've given me. I'm going to give 10% to you, 10% to savings. Man, you know what? It will teach you how to live a content life. And once again, what are we supposed to do with that other 80%? Enjoy it. It is so fun to take my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and buy her a Barbie and, say, and walk home and say, here you go. And you see her get excited. And, and, and it is enjoyable to say, God, thank you for those blessings. But let me tell you something. But we also got to watch and make sure 
we don't spoil our kids as well with that 80%. My, if it was up to my wife, she would spend that whole 80% on our child. We're out, one time we were literally at Target and she said to me, Caitlin really needs this Elmo shirt to match those Elmo pants. So it's only $23. And I'm like, an Elmo shirt for $23 for a kid who's going to get ice cream all over you? So we're starting to talk about this. Like, I don't know if Caitlin really needs that. And then I look over, and Caitlin's taking her shoes off. She's taking her socks off. And she is strategically picking fuzzies out of her toenail. I looked at my wife, and I said, I don't think the Elmo shirt's going to help. I think she's got enough issues on her own. Us spending this money on her, bottom line is this. Just, it's yours to enjoy it. The 80% is a gift from God and joy. Now, as we conclude today, it, it does take two things to live in a zone. It takes obedience, simply saying, all right, God, I understand that you want me to tithe. I understand that you, you have these things that you set up in your word, and, I, and I'm going to be obedient. But it also takes faith, because all of a sudden, if you start from going from non-tithing to tithing, it does take faith. I'm going to give this knowing that, God, you see what I'm going to do, you see what I'm doing, and you're going to take care of me. Now, let me get down on a real personal level this morning. I know that churches and there are such bad reputations for preachers won't always preach about money. And, and you know, there's a stigma. And let me tell you, Culp's gonna, he's going to preach hundreds of sermons here. And when you look over the years, just very few of them are going to be about money. But we know as preachers that we've got to talk about this because it destroys marriages, it destroys hopes, it destroys dreams, and it destroys relationships with Christ. Let me get it on a very personal level. Early on, I was very, my wife and I were very foolish with, uh, we got married young. We got very foolish with our money. And here we are, we're uh, in our early 20s. We, got a, we own a home, we got credit card debt. And then all of a sudden, as you, if you work in a larger church, it seems like when people don't know what to say to you, they say this, when are you going to have a baby? And, and so, so everywhere we walk for about a year and a half, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? And then my wife is always saying, ask him. Ask him. Ask him. And I always say, you know, like two or three times, I'll take it like, oh, when the Lord wills. And, and then finally I'm like, I don't want no baby. I, you know, and then my wife and I, were all mad at each other, you know. But, but anyways, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? And then, and then let me just tell you something. When you do finally plop out a baby, the very first question is this. When are you going to have another baby? When are you going to have another baby? When are you going to give this to a brother or a sister? Anyways. Um, but my wife and I, we started talking. We went to a marriage conference, and we are talking about life goals, and we knew that we wanted to have a child soon. And, and we're at this conference, this marriage conference, and the, and the guy gets up and says, Husbands, I need to talk to you. And he says, Husbands, the financial responsibility lies upon you. And if your family, if your finances are out of whack, as the spiritual head of that household, you're responsible for that. Oh, man, it crushed me. And I went back, I, I repented to my wife, and I said, you know what, I'm going to take lead in this, and we're going to have to work things out. And, and actually, the beautiful thing, it, how, it, how it drew us together was just phenomenal. We became such a great team. But then when we checked out all of our credit card debt, you know, because, you know, you got this one, this one, this one, this one. $9,000 credit card debt. I made about 30 She made about 10 Added up, people. That's not much. I mean, that, that's, that's an exorbitant amount of credit card debt for what we made. And we sit there and we said, all right, it's debt diet time. And we put on such a strategic budget. And we went to this envelope system that a lot of you will learn in Financial Peace University. And we went to this budget system. And it was hard. I got a $30 allowance every two weeks. Okay, that's not much. If, I, if we ran out of gas, 
you got to ride. We went down to one vehicle. We, luckily, we lived close to our work, so we walked. We did not live in a city. It was kind of embarrassing. You're walking through a neighborhood without sidewalks. Anyways, and, uh, but we went through this, and it was, it was humbling sometimes. You know, everybody's going out to eat. Oh, no, we got plans. Well, our plan was to go home and eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know what I mean? But it took some home. But we had a goal. It was for our family. We had a goal for our family. And throughout this time, we set our goal not only to pay off our credit card debt, but also to put some money in savings to save it for the birth, then to have money afterwards. This took about two and a half to three years. This was a long process. And then, but let me tell you some beautiful things that happened during that time. We would get our groceries in. We had a strict budget for groceries. We, we realized we needed our groceries to stretch. We would grab a hold of each other's hands and we'd pray over our groceries. And we'd ask God, Lord, help these groceries to last. But then we'd also ask God, and if someone comes to our house and they're hungry, help us to be able to feed them. So we asked not only God to supply our needs, but also if someone came in, we could still be hospitable. And so we went through this time for two or three years, and finally, we made it. And man, let me tell you something, what a financial freedom. And we finally got in the zone. Now that does not mean, once you're in a zone, we know we talk about God's the blesser, you're in a blesser. That does not mean, I'm in the zone. So therefore, nothing bad can ever happen to me. I am in God's zone. That does not mean that. Because you know what? Cars still break down. But all of a sudden, your attitude changes. You get different eyeglasses on. Because all of a sudden, you're not throwing everything on a credit card. But you're simply saying, all right, thank you, God, that we had this in savings. And we, we, there's been times we've actually prayed and thanked God when our vehicle's messed up. Because we're like, God, you supply. You've taken care of this in advance. Now, a lot of you guys who had anything to do with the Depression era or family come out of that, you've been preaching this for years. Like my grandma, every time something bad happened, my grandma will say, well, just thank God we have money to take care of it. Grandma, it costs $800. I'm not thanking God right now at all. Thank God you have money to take care of it. A lot of people who came from a different generation, they understand this. But my generation, we have been consumed with credit cards, commercialism, and carefree spending and materialism. Today, here's what I want us to do. Wherever you're at... I want to offer grace. Today is not a day to beat yourself up. Today is not a day to go home and fight with your husband and wife. Today is a day to say, all right, that is my past. Today we start anew. And yeah, it's going to take time. It's going to take baby steps. But today is a new day. This is what we're going to do. If, if, if the worship group can go ahead and come up. We're going to sing a song. And, and if you guys mind just singing through one verse... And then I'm going to come back up and I'm going to have a special prayer for the husbands and wives and for those of you who are, are dealing with some financial struggles. But right now, what I want you to do, as they come up and as they begin to sing, I just want you simply to go ahead and start allowing God to work on you where you're at right now. Allowing God to help you. And maybe today, you're sitting there, I don't have credit card debt. Well, then I challenge you with the other end of the spectrum, which is this. God has blessed you so that you can bless others. And allow, and allow yourself to be a challenged in that today. So we've got two spectrums. Those who are in trouble and those who have more. What does God want you to do? How can you be in the zone with the Lord? Let us pray. Father God, we give you praise today. We thank you for the opportunity to worship in your house. Lord, those who are hurting today, comfort them. Those who have extreme stresses on their marriage right now, love on them, encourage them. And God, let today be a new day. So God, we just ask you, help us to line up so that we could be in your zone. As we worship now, Lord, we come to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.